politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our life, liberty, and property. The true definition of patriotism on this, the 22nd Patriots Day. Yes, it is September 11th, Monday, the most infamous date in our American calendar, but also really the most quixotic date as well. A date that is excessively idealistic for the wrong reasons. Where over time, unlike Pearl Harbor, December 7th, it has taken on or should take on a very different meaning. But we could still come full circle and treat it and celebrate it as Patriot's Day when understood properly what it meant, what happened, what should have happened. And then how it has taken on a whole new life, particularly being supplanted by, in my view, a much greater date, if you want to affix a specific date to COVID fascism, March 16, 2020. We've been living a lie. It's particularly jarring for people my age that you know came roughly of military service age right around that time. I always felt guilty not serving, and yet here we come full circle when I think we'd all agree now we would tell our kids not to serve in our military. How have we come from the point of patriotic signups, like one of our presidential candidates, to now where we would all look at each other and say we would never tell anyone to serve in that military? Because we have come to the realization That what 9-11 represented, or what was given over to us, was a lie. And what it does represent is something equally as important, but is very different, moving from external threat to internal threats. The problem is here at home, and the patriotism we need to marshal is more in line with 1776 than with December 7th, 1941, Turns out 9-11 was a lot more of a 1776 moment and obviously turbocharged with March 16, 2020 than more of a modern-day Pearl Harbor where we were attacked externally. Now, I want to make something very clear. I am not getting involved for today's show for the purposes of, of our point today with any so-called conspiracy theories, I am going with the government's official narrative, what we know. You know, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things we belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us so that we may follow his law. I'm not dispelling or agreeing with any questions of what did, didn't happen. I am going with what we know based on the government's own narrative, is a self-indictment of what the government knew beforehand, what they did, and certainly what they did following that, and how that ties into and led to, but ultimately was supplanted by COVID fascism. How I believe we do have external enemies, you know, just because you have internal doesn't mean you don't have external, but to the extent we have external threats, They're all the result of the internal threat, our our own government that suppresses its own people, but then also leaves us vulnerable 
to external threats purposely to this day and then often uses that as a pretext to suppress us rather than doing what government should do to protect us from external threats. So this is, again, as always, a nuanced view, view you're only going to hear here at CR Podcast. Um, again, obviously, when we understand that our government created a virus, blocked the treatment for it, locked us down, destroyed our lives, then created a bioweapon, killing hundreds of thousands of people. Over a million people died from both bioweapons and the lockdowns and all of that put together in America alone, millions upon millions throughout the globe, millions still suffering long-term effects from both lockdowns and the, and the vaccines. And to this day, we know, you all agree that's true, Again, you don't have to look to what is hidden, but what is revealed right in front of us after two and a half years worth of studies and human reality, they will look you in the eye and, and do it again. And they're still saying you should get the shot. So I want to make something very clear. I don't know what did and didn't happen for sure on 9-11. But here's what I do know. What I do know is what gov- the government's own narrative is is an indictment of what they did. And what I do know is what we know for sure did happen with COVID fascism is a hundred times worse than the worst conspiracy theory about 9-11. So let's just say for a minute, I'm not saying this happened, but just say for a minute, I don't know, a bunch of CIA operatives or you know Islamists working for the CIA flew planes into the buildings, but then they simultaneously blew it up and orchestrated it all. If that were true, which I'm not saying I believe it is, if that were true, even if it were true, what we know the government did, killing millions of people with COVID and COVID fascism, which is all one, is infinitely worse than what that would have even been. So I don't need to speculate about what what I don't know and then have a divisive fight over that. Because frankly, I can't prove things I can't prove and I don't know and I'm not sure about. And even if we were, that people, most people wouldn't be emotionally ready to accept that anyway as they, I think, are now with JFK's assassination because you know most people didn't really live through it, at least as adults in this country. So it's kind of like, yeah, I guess that was like that. We're not at that moment, even if it were true in this case. But that creates needless division. From the government's own narrative of 9-11, what do we know? We know, in light of the Saudi portion of the 9-11 commission, that the San Diego cell that flew the plane into the Pentagon were not not just known to, but housed by FBI informants. We know that there were people at the top levels of the Saudi government that were behind it, and our government has not come clean on the extent of our government's knowledge of that. That's what we know. We know that it is very hard to operate something like that without our government knowing. We know... That in light of 9-11, our government 
busted the hinges off the doors of our border, tripled the Muslim immigration from overseas, left our border as open as hell to this day and even worse than ever, obsessed with foreign wars and drained thousands of lives and trillions of dollars into refereeing Sunni and Shia civil wars and then brought in people from both sides. We fought them over there and then brought them over here. And we built a police surveillance state that rather that at the same time we brought in the external threats, we used it internally against our own people, greased the skids, and often built the biomedical security state a big part of the post-9-11 response. We didn't appreciate it and realize it at the time wasn't just against terrorism, but biomedical. All those laws... Most of the laws that gave these authorities, whether it's the vaccines, whether it's the lockdowns, were laws that were passed within the five years of 9-11. And then ultimately led to this concept of emergency powers and exceptions to the Constitution and trading promises of secu- trading liberty for promises of security obviously represented by the Patriot Act, FISA, and what we're seeing today. So, again, some might take that a step further. I don't have an opinion on that. My point is what we know. What we know is, no, Daniel, there's people who hate us. There's these, well, here's the problem with that. If it's not an inside job, which I want to assume it's not, But what it clearly was was gross negligence. What it clearly was was a representation of a government that failed to do its social – to abide by the social compact and protect us from external threats. And even after it happened, doubled down and tripled down on those policies but then used the bogeyman of Islam while bringing it in, by the way, in record numbers – to then go and turn the police state on us, thereby having the worst of all ends, more tyranny, less liberty, and less security. That's the point I want to bring out today. That I want to indulge their own narrative, you know, if it's not an inside job, which I don't want to believe it is, what it ultimately was, And then to demonstrate how there is no way a government abiding by the social compact would have done what it did because it made no sense. It undermines their own stated goals. Obviously, Patriot's Day, a day like today, is an important reminder that you need to be responsible gun owners, especially now with the New Mexico governor. I want to get to that if we have time, if not tomorrow, clamping down on the right to carry illegally. Make sure you carry, make sure you practice, but make sure you clean your guns. I recommend our friends at Barrel Buddy at BarrelBuddy.com. What's the deal? Typically, you would shove these dirty cloths, get your hands dirty. The lint would shed within the barrels. Here you get these cartridges, 50 in a pack for 15 bucks. Make sure you get the right caliber, you know, so it fits seamlessly. And that's the thing. It's the compression. It almost looks like it's not going to fit, but it goes in and then compresses perfectly you only need to put it in one time buffs clean and done no lint no fibers no threads you could see the clean um no more difficult pull throughs uh, or patches that are difficult to handle they are made by patriots listeners to our show three patriots in michigan 
They don't get enough notoriety, but I want you guys to stop using the patches and clean with Barrel Buddy at BarrelBuddy.com today. So folks, at its core, what was the central lesson of 9-11? Again, official narrative. We had too many people, dangerous people, that were allowed to come to the country and operate so ubiquitously on so many levels, undetected, to go and commit that act. If you believe it is not our government did it premeditatedly to precipitate what we know they did and is a problem, then what you believe is that, and, and you know, to me, this is very much hinted to in the biblical prophecies, so it's, it, you know, par for the course. Clash of civilization, you have Islamic Jihad. So fine, so Islamic Jihad is the problem. But then the problem with that is our government, what our government did made no sense. They made us more vulnerable to those very external threats while then turning it internally. And to this day, we have millions of people pouring over our border. We have a visa system that brings in people from that, those parts of the world in much greater numbers. We pretty much tripled our Muslim immigration since 9-11. Okay, again, it, the, the, the way I always understood it was you bring in a bunch of Sharia because part of the thing is it wasn't just those 19 people. They were able to operate in these mosques. They were able to operate um, you know, with a lot of people who housed them. By the way, uh, Al Alwaki is one of the big people that we eventually droned to death a few years after we allowed him to participate in the Pentagon event that his, after his disciples flew a plane into it. So our own government made it about, kind of about Islam, but then not. That's what the George W. Bush administration did. Oh, it's a peaceful religion. So then what is it? So we tripled our Muslim immigration. We made it about these caves and nooks and crannies in Afghanistan when right away the narrative was wrong. This is, this is for sure wrong. Meaning I'm taking their narrative should have been that we need to clamp down on the Muslim Brotherhood. We need to not allow, we need to really choke off these visas from these places and certainly the southern border. And obviously, you don't clamp down on liberties of Americans, but you turn the security state against external threats while shielding constitutional liberties. But we did the exact opposite. We made this about, we were under war, we were attacked, and we all fell into it because it was very frustrating. You saw the grief, the pain, but it was very frustrating that because of the malfeasance of our government, 19 people with you know a budget of a few thousand dollars were able to do all that. Well, it's Afghanistan. But no, they didn't fly over on planes from Afghanistan. Afghanistan didn't have the ability to attack us. The bottom line is, it was funded from our friend, and they were only let in because we let them in. You know what I mean? It's, 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 like, it's like you have a fortress, and you let the fox in the... Hen house, and you want to go to war with civilization over it, but 
there's not much there. You you committed suicide. Again, I'm not I'm not quoting any conspiracy theories, any anything. The central point it was brought out by a quote I often publicized from the 9-11 Commission, not the main report, but the staff report. They had a couple of auxiliary reports. One of them was on terrorist travel. They published it in 2004. It is perhaps obvious to state that, no, that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11th, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and getting admission to the U.S., border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. And obviously, years later, now it's a joke, now we have millions of people for, our visa system's more robust, robust than ever, but even without that, we have hundreds of thousands of Chinese we bring in through student visas, and then obviously the border is just, and, and it's known, it's not just Latin America, it's all over the world, and we are catching terrorists, but even without that, it doesn't take, you know, it, it, it's not... It's not just about, oh, maybe there's an Islamic terrorist among those in the southern border that might commit a 9-11-style attack. As we pointed out last week, just the drunk driving incidents and the criminal elements and the MS-13, that easily adds up over time to more than 3,000 deaths in the United States. And then obviously the drugs and all that stuff, meaning it's not just about Islam. It's about the fact that the social compact of government is not to focus on welfare, on global warming, on biomedical security, on regulating our life, liberty, and property, economy, healthcare, commerce, this and that. The federal government's purpose is to protect our people from external threats that affect the whole of the people. That's not just internal order, which is supposed to be dealt with by local and state governments. That is why we have a federal government. Yet we created, post 9-11, a Department of Homeland Security that openly works with the cartel to invade the country, flies them in in the thousands, brings them in. I mean, millions of people in just a few years. This is what we know. I don't have to speculate. This is what they're doing. And again, Biden turbocharged that, but that was done by every administration, including the Bush administration. You had a brief shutdown of the border, but then once they got their footing, I mean, it was, I mean, you go to like 2004, 2005, the border was nuts. We had some of the biggest uh, numbers back then during those years before the Great Recession when it, you know, shut it down because of the economy. The entire Bush presidency was a, a, a lie and a fraud counterintuitive to the entire narrative that he himself put out. So the job of a government is to protect us from external threats. So we come full circle 22 years later, and where are we? We have a government that exposed us to those very external threats, as well as many others, China, you know, MS-13, the drugs, Islamic terrorism, tripling visas from there, crushing our people, focusing on these random things, and then bringing in refugees from both both sides. And by the way, they like to say, oh, we, you know, 
because of that, we've never had another attack. Like, well, first of all, we've actually we've had dozens of Islamic attacks in this country. They're not called that. Um, they weren't on that degree of of you know magnitude. But you add them together. I mean, we we have Islamic jihadist attacks all the time, and we have now brought second. We are now we we now have homegrown second generation radical jihad. Um, that that Europe had and only Europe had prior to 9-11 for the most part, and now we have as well. So that's the thing. If it's not, if, you, if you're like, don't ever indulge these conspiracy theories, well, fine, at its core is, then you have Islamic Jihad. And we, our government did everything you wouldn't do and what we should do, we didn't do. And then we used it as an excuse to build this surveillance state. It started out in airports, but then they gradually... Now, it was subtle. Post 9-11, unlike COVID, we actually lived our lives normally, but we didn't realize they were building this stuff. But again, I just want to emphasize here the point. And the 9-11 Commission report is making this point. Bipartisan, prominent Democrats were on it. That it wasn't like Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was like, holy heck, this is an external problem. We need to beef up our military. They're they're getting Japan is getting the edge on us. They were able to hit Hawaii. They'll be able to hit our mainland. This is not what happened. It's a, it's a it's a bait and switch. It's it's an optical illusion. There was no like Afghani military, or, or even if you want to call it an irregular, you know, not a nation state military that did it. No, it was a bunch of people we let in through our immigration system. Our Pearl Harbor was our immigration system. And yet we actually poured gasoline on it post 9-11 rather than the other way around. That's not the only point, our relationship with the Saudis, what was going on with the FBI informants. There's a lot there. And there's a lot to peel into that's, that, that really would shed light on the fact that the very government, basically our government, used 9-11 as a pretext. As a pretext to, you know, you know, they have malfeasance, create a problem. Again, I'm not saying that means that they did it. But then turn it around on us. Oh, therefore, we need all these authorities. And that's lesson number one, that we should never, ever, ever be gaslit to use an emergency, whatever you think caused it. Again, not all emergencies are created by the government, although a lot of them seem to be these days, but there are natural things, there are other enemies there are things that happen, but what we do know for sure is that you should never use it to create new authorities to clamp down on the liberties of the people. Existing constitutional authorities are enough to do what governments can and should be doing. Never, ever, 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 ever forget. Justice Jackson in the Youngstown case, famous 1952 opinion in his concurrence, talks about the appeal of emergency powers. The appeal, however, that we declare the existence of inherent powers ex necessite to meet an emergency asks us to do what many think we, we would be wise, although it is something the forefathers omitted. They knew what emergencies were, knew the pressures they engender for authoritative action, knew, too, how they afford a ready pretext for usurpation. 
We may also suspect that they, sus- that they suspected that emergency powers would tend to kindle emergencies. Aside from suspension of the privilege of writ of habeas corpus in time of rebellion or invasion, when the public safety may require it, they made no express provision for exercises of extraordinary authority because of a crisis. I do not think we rightfully may so amend their work, and if we could, I am not convinced it would be wise to do so. And that was the ultimate lesson we should have learned but did not. Now, First, before we go on, our final sponsor today, Patriot Mobile, celebrating 10 years as America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Um, they've been such great supporters of Glenn's show, of The Blaze, for so long. And we're proud of this partnership because it's unique in that we could create a parallel economy for a very key service we all use. Very rarely could you do that because typically there's a monopoly, but they give you the same service. You you have the same coverage everywhere with the same cell towers. You could keep your phone, whether you have it with AT&T or Verizon, T-Mobile, same number. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 878-PATRIOT. Free activation with offer code CR. Um, the only difference, you're not funding those who hate us. They actually give money to causes that are pro-life and pro-family, religious freedom, so again, make the switch like so many thousands of Blaze family subscribers have done. PatreonMobile.com slash CR or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 878-PATRIOT. Use offer code CR for free activation. So folks, ultimately, the lesson is this. Ultimately, the lesson is this. At its core, 9-11 should be a reminder of the social compact with government. It's responsible to protect the citizenry from external threats. But today, we all those tools that were built in the wake of 9-11 are now primarily used on its own citizens as foreign nationals pour over our border every, every year. Millions upon millions. So don't look at me and patronize me and, oh, we have to remember 9-11, uh, the, the other threats. To the extent that's a real threat, that's also part of the internal problem. You see what I'm saying? Only a malfeasant internal government that's at at war with its own people would leave them that exposed. Like, Daniel, just stop it with the government. You know, this is about Islam and or you know, jihad or radical Islam or whatever and Afghanistan. But but if that were true, then none of what government did make sense. Don't, don't sit and tell me that we need to worry. This is a reminder that we were attacked while our government is bringing in millions. And, and, and again, not everyone's bad, but as we talked about, when you bring in people that are that desperate and lawless in, in such large numbers, there's a heck of a lot of bad hombres there. So, you know, you have no leg to stand on with that. And then, of course, many of those tools were used against us during COVID and have greased the skids for the biomedical security state. On this anniversary, we have to bring the discussion of external threats back to border security and endless visas. That's really where they are, not with endless wars. And at the same time, we need to understand that the problem is internal. Because... Most of the problems are internal, and the few external threats, you might say, well, there's China, there's jihad. Who do you think? Like, Ch- China, too. China is a similar thing to Islamists. Is Islamic terror fake? Is it made up? No. The same way the Chinese threat is not made up. But the same way the Chinese threat, why does China threat- threaten us? 
because for at least three decades, our own government has subverted our economy, society, education, government. I mean, they've allowed the Chinese to feast off our government like a carcass, steal our secrets, steal our economy, steal everything, and succeed in their asymmetric warfare against us. So don't, you know, you know now both parties that, that were in bed with this, you know, you speak to establishment Republicans and, and, and even all the Democrats. Oh my gosh, China's the biggest threat. Everyone says that now, but it's a joke. It's only a threat because our government is a threat to its people. So it's part of our government at war with its people, killing us from, from vaccines, locking us down, taking away our liberties, taking away our energy, taking away our prosperity, taking away our guns, violating the social compact. Everything it should do, it doesn't do. Everything it shouldn't do, mustn't do, it does. Keeps our border open, invades its own people. Subverts the culture with all sorts of psyops. The entire news is propaganda against its own people. We know from countless sources that they, the, the intel uh, defense establishment worked with the COVID narrative and frankly many, many others against its own people. Oh, but China. China's a threat. Yeah, it's only a threat because that's part, that's one of the many ways you declare war on your own people. You go and make us vulnerable to China or directly empower them. So it's not to ignore that there aren't independently other threats to us as a people, as a civilization, as a nation throughout the globe. But God has blessed this country with such a leg up on all of that post-World War II, our geography, our economic prowess, our military, our prosperity, our money, that none of us should have threatened us had we had a government adhering to the social compact. But what we did in the wake of 9-11 is... We replaced long-term prudent governance designed to protect against external threats with emergency and arbitrary powers exercised against the people themselves. So this needs to be a rallying cry that if you really do care about external threats, it's the border, it's the visas. It's that simple. And at the same time, you need to undo the wrong things they did. We need to undo the harsh treatment at airports. We need to refuse to reauthorize FISA, which, by the way, is up uh, for reauthorization. It expires at the end of this month. We need to protect internal liberties by repealing the Patriot Act. And then also, we need to remember that a lot of the draconian biomedical security laws were passed in the wake of 9-11. The PREP Act the PREP Act that basically said, Here are all, here's all this emergency stuff you can do for public health, and they're exempt from liability, that was, what, 2005? There's a 2002 Public Health Security and Bioterrorism Preparedness and Response Act, and then, of course, there's a 2006, and then was reauthorized a few years later, Pandemic and All Hazards Preparedness Act, or PAWPAW, which does expire on its own at the end of this month. That's another thing that cannot be reauthorized. So there are a lot of lessons there are a lot of lessons to learn. It is an important day, but very different than we would have thought in years past. And that's what we need to focus on. 
we can make it a true Patriot Day if we right that ship and, and reorient the balance of power back to the Constitution where you're tough on external threats, but you never touch internally the liberties of the people. Patriot's Day would mean that we say no to tyranny. Not just like, yeah, we'll shake our fist at some sand dunes in Afghanistan to distract us. No. Don't, don't sit and lecture me about external threats. Don't let them freak it into your country. Plain English, the 9-11 Commission report. That's what 9-11 was about. I mean, taking it face value, prima facie, that's what it was about. Don't lecture me about that. A true patriot would then deal with that, and then you dismantle the surveillance state. You dismantle the lack of due process. You dismantle the biomedical security state. But again, just never forget, it's not like we have lingering effects from 9-11. I mean, 3,000 souls were lost. It's a lot. I mean, unless you say the, the cancers from the people, the, the um, ground zero workers, obviously. But here, I mean, I'm not even going to go through, but every day we talk about the depletion and degradation of, of the human immune system that we're seeing. The cancers, the autoimmune. So aside from the millions who already died and were permanently disabled from the COVID shots. But, I mean, who knows what's going to happen the next 5, 10 years. And that's if they wouldn't push a single new shot on us, which they already are. And again, you can't tell me, Daniel, well, this is, this is definitely on purpose. Because if you didn't think it was on purpose in 2000, I don't need to speculate. I mean, we have the evidence that they knew they, they literally prepared for 50,000 VAERS uh, report, uh, adverse events every few days. And then they saw it was more and more and more. And they did it anyway. But right now, it's like, Daniel, do you think they did it on purpose? Well, okay, right now, do you all agree it's out in the open that this thing kills you? Yeah. Do you agree that they're pushing it on you? Yeah. So they're doing that on purpose. There's no, no way around that. Now, it, it goes without saying that there are some elements of 9-11 that are very fond, or I wouldn't say 9-11 itself, but you know, in the wake of 9-11, that have a fond place in our hearts and brought out the best in America and can and must still be marshaled but directed towards the right focus. You know, first of all, obviously, no matter what did or didn't happen or, or why in the aftermath, what is real is what the firefighters did that we all thought when we saw that initially, you'd have 15,000 people or so dead in the towers, and in the end, it was less than 3,000 in the towers because... Almost every last human being below the impact line, almost, was evacuated. That was, I mean, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. We should never forget that. There's, you know, hundreds of firefighters who died so that thousands of others were saved. That is real. You know, other civilian stories of hero heroism is real. All the soldiers who signed up, and, and I, I would go a step further, not just for, um, the military, but for the FBI, a lot of patriotic signups back then, and a lot of them are coming due now and retiring. 
that was real. It makes it all the more sad and tragic what 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 our government did with that patriotism and shoved it all into a black hole, putting them into meat grinders, refereeing Islamic civil wars, turning our military into social engineering garbage, and then eventually kicking them all out with this jab poison or poisoning them. But that was real. The unity, which we'll never live to see again, was unbelievable. The unified sense of purpose. Again, our government fooled people into the wrong focus, but that input was was genuine. And, and it's that type of thing that needs to be marshaled against, rather than shaking our fist at Afghani dunes, it needs to be restoring our liberties against the onslaught of the Fourth Reich. That's what it needs to, to be. We need a common sense of purpose. And a lot of that really ties into the news of the day with New Mexico Governor uh, Grisham, Michelle Lujan Grisham. So she came out of nowhere and said, all right, too many shootings in Albuquerque. Uh, all the people in the county here cannot carry any firearms for 30 days, and then I'll decide what I want to do at the end of 30 days. And everyone's aghast. Oh, my gosh, how could this be? Oh, my gosh, this is crazy, the Constitution. And th- th- there's there's a lot of important lessons going on here in real time, and you know we'll delve into this more as the week unfolds and this story develops. But obviously, it ties right into what we're talking about into 9-11 and COVID fascism, that our government could create what Justice Jackson warned we never should and our founders never wanted, which was emergency exceptions to constitutional rights. So I was like, how could you do that? And, and I'm laughing. I'm, I'm literally laughing. I'm thinking, okay, everyone's wondering how in a blue state a governor could suspend the Second Amendment, but in every red state, we suspended, often indefinitely for months and even years on end, the right for a human being to breathe which as strong of a supporter of the Second Amendment as I am, that is a bigger right. I mean, you know, you, sh- you ought to be able to have a gun to defend yourself, but it's not the only modality of self-defense. Here, it's like you can't go anywhere without breathing. It, it, it just, it's funny watching the reaction on the right that it, it's like we have this muscle memory, l- like trained seals. We only know, okay, abortion, guns, taxes, whatever is on that algorithm. But and and they could be very important. But then time could go on, and things could develop in a way where there's much more important battles, and we'll we'll sleep through that. People were denied organ transplants. Again, now everyone's a little bit of a hero, but when it actually mattered, and it wasn't just a day or two, it went on and on and on for months, and it was a very tiny percentage of people fighting on this. The mainstream of the Republican Party, and even most of conservative media and the movement, they were awfully muted and not mobilized to deal with it. But here it's like, boom, the sheriff's like, we're not doing this. A bunch of people came, they had a rally, uh, open, openly carrying, open carry, concealed carry, and it's beautiful. So it, it's it's good and frustrating at the same time. There's two lessons, and they're both two sides of a coin. Number one is where the hell was this with everything else the last couple of years? But number two, this is a good thing, and this needs to turbocharge 
a true patriot sentimentism sentiment that we don't abide by this. There's no like, oh, uh, we need to repeal that or that. No, if something is unconstitutional, we don't need a constitutional amendment to amend their amendment. You say no. I'm sick of us saying this is unconstitutional, but then we follow it. No. You need to get together in large numbers and say no. So, so that, that's a very positive development. And we saw that a little bit with these, the, the attempt to bring back mask mandates, certain hospitals, certain, certain colleges, and the people rebelled. Now the problem is, again, it's largely yesterday's battle. We need to be able to have that sort of ability to fight in the way it matters at the time it matters. And we're not always fighting yesterday's battle. But it is a positive development. That's what, what true Patriots Day means. That we are not going to give in to emergency calls from our government when 99% of the time it is caused by them. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean like the CIA agents flying planes into a building. But what I mean is it was a result of their policies. They violated the social compact by endangering us and not doing what they should be doing. And then they turn around and want to create usurpations and authorities under that same pretext to clamp down on our liberties using things that they must not use and cannot use pursuant to the Constitution and natural law and God's law. So we need to find a way to harness this energy in a bottle that we seem to always have from gun rights, and it's kind of confusing. Why, we, I, why do we have it there and not elsewhere? It's very interesting. Well, Daniel, this is the palladium of all rights. Not really. I, I hate to rain on your parade, but you know we have we have we have more right to carry and gun ownership by a mile than we had since since nine eleven. I'd say that's when a lot of these red states have changed last last two decades. Some started in the nineties, but but mainly turbocharged afterwards. And yet, we have suffered through the worst tyranny over the last two decades, obviously um, culminating with the last few years. You could talk about your guns all you want. But at the end of the day, you have people that are denuded of the right to self-defense. You might be able to shoot the Antifa guy and save your life then, but then they'll throw you in jail for 20 years. All these people being arrested for having merely been at the Capitol. Some weren't even at the Capitol. Tried, held pre-trial, sentenced for 10, 20 years. A lot of these people owned a lot of guns. What good did that do them? Okay, you, you, I mean, we, we don't have the ability to fight that. How many of our people not only sat with a diaper on their face as they owned 50 firearms in their house, but imposed it upon other people. You know, it is heartbreaking. My son, oh my gosh, you know, it just rips my heart apart. So 100% of urban areas, 100% of establishments had mask policies. But even in the rural areas, you know, as a range, it was, okay, 80%, 70%, depending on the time. Meaning, to the extent you could find people flaunting it, it was in rural areas, but the majority didn't. 
So we recently, uh, you know, I don't have that much time to take my kids to a gun range. And so when we went on vacation, I, I told my, my son, I was like, oh, I want to do it. And I was like, look, you know, I can only do it with the older kids. So uh, we'll have to do it at a time when my wife takes the, the, the younger kids and does another activity. Maybe we'll, we'll split up. You know, we only had one car, obviously, drop, me, drop, drop us off at a range. So go, go, find, go find a range within 40 minutes of where we're staying. And obviously, it was very, very rural area. And my son found one place where there was a picture. Must have been a few years old, but couldn't have been too old, that said, no mask, no entry. On a gun store, a gun range. No mask, no entry. I mean, this is what we're at. We're always fighting symbolism over substance. I'm, look, half my advertisers are guns. We're actually going to have another Patriot Academy handgun defense training, hopefully, the week of December 18th. Put that on your calendar a week before Christmas. Great time to do it. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that more in the coming month. It's very important to know how to use it, know how to defend yourself no matter what. But But dude... If 100% of our defiance and our political fight is in defending the right to own and carry firearms and all types of firearms, but then we literally allow them to muzzle us, take away our freedom of speech, our right to move anything, and we don't even organize to make red states red, it's it's meaningless. But I don't want to knock it. I'm trying to say that we need to harness... This sort of energy we have, I love it. It's like, this is the one issue that we say we're not going to comply. We're not going to allow an elected Republican to, in any red county or state, to be weak on that. And, and genuinely, if someone shows weakness, they are usually defeated, which is why very few do, at least openly. They found other clever ways of doing it. But openly... They know they'll, they'll lose. But how is it that you can have a Republican that supports green energy openly, supports COVID fascism openly, locked us down openly, and gets reelected? Again, I mean, you, you look at, in a blue state, we'll probably get enough leverage to totally crush Grisham, I, I predict, on this edict. Yet in South Dakota, we exalt Christy Nome when we have landowners they not only have their land stolen for a Chinese-backed green energy pipeline, actually doesn't even provide green energy, it provides no energy, carbon capture, insanity, but we have restraining orders against landowners that they're not allowed to be on their land as they're forcibly being raped by the government-backed Summit Carbon Solutions Company when they come to survey and do other analysis on their own private land they have a restraining order. They're not allowed to be there when they're doing it. But you can own as many guns as you want in South Dakota. You see what I'm saying? This imbalance is bizarre. And, and a lot of it is coming, honestly, is doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. It's greasing the Republican Party, allowing the Republican Party to be that controlled opposition. In order to be a controlled opposition, you need to fight on something. So they've, they fought a couple of things here and there with the expense of everything else. And rather than using 2A as a paradigm, we use it as an exception. But that's what we need to think about. How do we parlay that energy 
that you're going to take our guns from our stone-cold hands to other rights. I mean, here's the irony. The FBI agents, I don't think, in most of these cases, like with January 6th, I don't think they took away their gu- guns. They might still have their guns and they're safe at home. It's just, you know, they're getting beaten in solitary confinement in the D.C. Gulag. But what is said is a lot of this is a legacy of 9-11, sadly. A lot of these authorities, we didn't realize it at the time. Some, some people did, God bless them. But, again, what's hidden is hidden. It's to God. But what's revealed to us, we got to do the right thing on. And, and, and what I'm trying to tell you is, I'm giving you a perspective today on 9-11 based on a universal narrative. You don't have to start veering off, questioning World Trade Center 7 and whatever. I'm not, I'm not denying that. I don't know what the story is with a lot of this stuff. I think there are some important questions where the questions seem to be better than the answers or even the uh, desire to even answer them properly. But what that what what the implication of those questions are, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to tell you what our government did openly with COVID. What we know they did is 100 times worse than if the worst 9/11 conspiracy would be true. So could they do it? Would they have done it? Would they have the ability and motivation to have done that? In years past, I would have said no. Now I would say yes. But did they actually do I don't. I don't know. You know, I'm not, in other words, you can't just say just because they would do it, it means you know, certain things do happen. There are independently other enemies of us. But that's not the point. The point is this. How much tyranny you are willing to comply with is how much you will continue to suffer from. And and that is ultimately where we need to go. We cannot allow us to be gaslit into giving up liberties over a supposed problem because when you understand those supposed problems, they're usually our government's own fault. And in the case of COVID for sure, our government's own perpetration. I want to end off with a very sad email that I think just really underscores everything we're talking about today. Just just very, very sad. And, uh, you know, obviously one, one of the big things that, one of the big takeaways from 9-11 is the military. I mean, that was that's part of Patriot's Day. Patriotism in the military. All the people who signed up. I mean, you think about all those infantrymen and special operators that gave their lives because they thought rightfully that they were doing something righteous and our government just put them in ill-defined missions that we should have never even been involved with. And actually ran counter to what, again, really caused 9-11. The point of 9-11 is like, whoa, keep those SOBs there. Protect ourselves here. And it's like, hey, let's go and deplete our resolve, resources, time, treasure, treasure, and blood over there. And then bring them in here. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I have the numbers to prove it. We tripled our immigration from countries that have the most of Islamic terrorists 
or radicals that subscribe to the Sharia culture that breeds that sort of terrorism post 9-11. It was, it was growing a little bit too much in the 90s. We should have shut it off, and we did the opposite. And, you know, I've been talking about that for many years already. But I think what we know now is something much, much greater than that. But anyway, I want to read this email from Tom. Very, very sad email. I get these emails all the time. And it, it demonstrates the type of patriotism we're going to need now that's very different from what we thought we needed post 9-11. But if we inculcate ourselves with these lessons, we could yet still celebrate 9-11 as Patriot's Day. I was one of the many, but not nearly enough, military members who was discharged for refusing the COVID shot. I was an Air Force captain with 16 years of service. I'd won the company grade officer of the year award the year before, was on my way to bigger leadership roles and almost overnight was stripped of any contact, responsibility, or purpose within my unit. I sulked for a minute, realized that wasn't helping anything and decided to leave New York and move my family to Florida to seek freedom and like-minded people. It's been almost two years since then. And this summer, my family returned to New York to escape the heat and visit family and friends. While there, I reached out to a military buddy at my old unit, and he ended up organizing a get-together with some of the airmen I served with. I commanded a unit of 45 airmen. Prior to the mandate, about half of them went and got the shot voluntarily with a strong recommendation from local and state leadership. Of the other half that did not get it voluntarily, about 25% were indifferent to it, and then the other 25% were strongly against it. When the mandate to be vaccinated was ordered, everyone complied with it but myself and one other new female airman, or shall I say airwoman. Um, most that did not want it but got it anyway, was due to the bills needing to be paid. The group of 15 that I had lunch with was a good cross-section of rank and viewpoints. We were all friends and had a good time catching up with each other. I thought I would share some observations. One, only enlisted were present. Other officers and my chief did not show. No one addressed the shot. Now known facts about it or remorse of getting it. No one addressed my abrupt exit and the reason for it. It's as if it didn't happen and I left voluntar voluntarily. Most of the conversation was around getting promoted, retirement, new cars, and vacation plans. My main takeaway, I'm not sure what I was expecting during our get-together. Maybe an apology, maybe some remorse, maybe some empathy about how I was treated and how no one stood with me. Maybe a you're right moment, nothing. I guess I was looking for some closure to a chaotic time. I got closure, just not the kind I was hoping for. And sadly, that is what has been done with the patriotism of those signing up for the military post 9-11. And we need to be on a new sort of war footing. The, the national resolve and patriotism following 9-11 was not wrong. It was, it was certainly right and virtuous. And, and something to remember with nostalgia. It's just that the information we were given and, and, and what our government did with it was just a disgusting exercise of the ultimate betrayal and perfidy of a civilization. We could still harness that. We need that same sense of pur purpose, but we can't be indifferent. Oh, I got to pay my bills. I got to go on. 
we have to have some sort of flashpoint. Our own 9-11, and I, I was hoping that, that you know, this would be, and, and by the way, there, there was a part of me that felt very guilty because I actually, there was a part of me that was happy about 9-11 on a small level because just on that level, and I was young at the time, you know, 12th grade, I, you know, lived most of my political observational life during the Clinton administration, and I felt, you know, Clinton destroyed America, and, you know, we were going very soft, we were becoming PC, we were weak, I was like, good, this will get us to, to fight. Now, I didn't understand the true enemy, and we had a lost decade where we wasted our entire time fighting in Fallujah, fighting the Democrats over things that, frankly, maybe the Democrats for the right thing for the wrong reason, just because it was idolatry, party politics, they blamed Bush for 9-11, we should have known more things, we reflexively defended him, and it really wasn't about Bush, he was only there, you know, eight months, it was, uh, you know, everything before him and him, that yes, our government really did, there was a lot of malfeasance, we, we uh, didn't listen to a lot of the cries of, of 9-11 families, there were, there were a lot of problems with Saudi Arabia and other things, and it's probably just the tip of the iceberg. But we want to just defend the Republican Party. So meanwhile, that led to Obama. It led to the fundamental transformation. It led to the takeover of our culture, our economy, healthcare, everything, and why we are where we are today. Because we were so damn distracted on things that we shouldn't have even done as a standalone, much less get distracted with. We cannot afford that. We need to understand what is revealed to us today. The problem is within. The problem is our own government. The problem is our own society. We need to f formulate cells among like-minded people in the areas where we have the most of them, beginning at least with those first, and making them constitutional sanctuaries that we will retreat no longer. We will not focus on our next paycheck or our next vacation, we will focus on enduring and everlasting values for ourselves, but really for our kids. That is the lesson of 9-11. Folks, let's roll. Let's roll down the alley with the same intrepid values and courage I think we all had, but direct it not where the government tells us to, but where we know it needs to go. And with that, we got a lot going on this week. A government shutdown, really? Are we going to be scared of that? Embrace it. We need to fight on the issues that matter. There's so much going on. We're going to start unpacking that tomorrow between the budget bills, the reauthorization, the deadlines, different things, FISA, Farm Bill, you know, PAWPA, all that stuff that touches on some of the core issues of COVID fascism, post-9-11 surveillance state. Now is a critical juncture to right the wrongs that were used based on manipulating our, our sentiment, taking advantage of our emotions post 9-11. Now is the time to make Patriot Day great again. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, Senior Pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. 
Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. 